morning uh, want us to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, we are now in chapter 5, and we will look at the first seven verses, although I will not comment on every verse in this uh, passage today. As I was working on this sermon, I realized I had, there was more to be said, Uh, so I'm divided it up into two sermons, and of course, you know, my kind of division doesn't mean that you're going to have two short sermons. Uh, it will be two normal sermons. But today, uh, give attention uh, to the Word of God. As you'll see, that's really what this Word is going to talk to us about. Solomon writes, walk prudently when you go to the house of, the, of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by as many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. It is better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. This is the word of the living God, and we do well to give heed to it. And let us pray that he will bless it. Father, we thank you for the reading of the scriptures. And now, Lord, would you bless the, uh, the explanation, the application, the preaching of those same scriptures. Bless the hearing and the receiving of your word. May we, may we all hear you speak, Lord, uh, even through this weak and sinful vessel. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us, and uh, in, in, this is a wonderful promise, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Uh, I hope that promise encourages you and hopefully that's why you're here today, to draw near to God. But how are we to do that? Well, certainly I would say the most important way we do that is in the public worship, uh, the public assembly Uh, of the Lord's people on the Lord's day. Uh, And uh, we come to worship him in the the house of God. That's how Solomon put it in verse 1. When we go to the house of God, we're in the house of God, not the building. We're in the place where God has chosen to meet with us at the the time and place with, with his own people. So in the first four chapters of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has focused primarily about things on a horizontal plane, our human relationships, things that are done uh, under the sun, uh, referencing, you know, uh, for example, in chapter four, the the necessity of human relationships. It's not good to be isolated from others, and certainly not as, you know, as Christians, we are to build relationships with each other so we can help each other, encourage one another, support one another. 
And yet, as, as Michael Eaton comments, we stand in need of an altogether greater companionship. Uh, human companionship, even Christian companionship, is a wonderful thing. Two are better than one. A threefold cord is not easily broken. But we need this companionship, a relationship with, with God Almighty, with our Creator. And the question is, how can we who are sinful creatures approach a holy God and, and actually worship Him acceptably uh, and, and know him. Well, Solomon, as you may know, was responsible responsible for building a temple, the house of God uh, itself. For this for this very purpose, the temple was built that enables sinful men, under God's direction, to approach a holy God and worship without being consumed by His wrath. Uh, as the Bible says, God is a consuming fire. And so these first seven verses of chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, in Solomon gives us helpful principles to keep in mind when we go to the house of God, when we draw near to God in worship. And uh, these principles are just as applicable today as they ever were because God doesn't change. Uh, and the way we worship him, it, there are some differences outwardly with reference to Old Covenant worship and New Covenant worship. But spiritually, it's the same. Uh, we worship God in spirit and in truth. And as we divide up this passage today, it will be two headings. Uh, well, two headings for today and next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, so we'll only cover point one today. But the first heading is God speaks to us in worship. And the second heading next week is that we speak to God. In worship, it's very simple, isn't it? It's not complicated, uh, but it's very, uh, very true and very needful for us to hear about these things. So, first of all, when we draw near to God in worship, we need to remember, we need to consider that God speaks to us. It's a weighty thing to have God speak to you. And to me, Solomon says, walk prudently when you go into the house of God. So, so this again, this house of God, Solomon had in mind the temple, certainly that he uh, built for the Lord. But, but the house of God is really anywhere that God has appointed uh, for his worship, where the word of God is preached, and where his ordinances are rightly administered. If we go back a little further than Solomon's time, we go back to Moses, and uh, God gave Moses instructions for the uh, construction of the tabernacle, which was a precursor to the temple. It was a mobile temple, if you will. It was a tent, uh, the t and it was called the tent of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting. And in Exodus 29, we read uh, what the purpose, what it was all about. Why did God say, build this tabernacle with all the, the various uh, things that were to be a part of it? He said, this shall be a continual burnt offering through your generation. So we see it's for sacrifice. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, there I will meet to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So God, first of all, just to think about, you know, we take for granted, but God has a house 
uh, God has set aside in the, in the, under the Old Covenant, first of all, it was a tent, uh, a house uh, where his people would meet with him. It was a meeting place. It was a, it was a place, uh, he says, I will meet you to speak with you. So that's the focus of when we meet with God, is that God is going to speak to us. Yes, there are things for us to do, th- sacrifices to offer, they were to offer. And, um, and, and that tent, you know, we think, well, you know, there are some people who live in tents today. We, we know some people who live in a tent right now. But, um, you know, it's not very glorious, right? A house is a little better than a tent to live in. But what made that tent glorious, as glorious as any house any temple could be was the presence of God himself. And so they came to worship. They brought sacrifices, yes, and they were meeting with God. And that's true, again, anywhere that God appoints for his people uh, to approach him in worship, there uh, we have a house of meeting, a house of God. And um, the fact that God has a house that is, he has provided for us a, a way to approach him in worship you see, it's an act of sheer grace. We didn't, we didn't invent the church. We didn't, Solomon didn't invent the temple. Uh, Moses didn't invent the tabernacle. God says, I am going to provide a house for you. I am going to provide a place of worship. I am going to meet with you. I take the initiative here, and I'm going to speak to you. Now, we all, on account of our sin, deserve uh, to be banished from the presence of God for all eternity. That's what hell is. Uh, at least the favorable presence of God would be banished from uh, heaven and, and, and if we don't know Jesus Christ uh, we can't approach a holy God because of our sin and yet God has made a way for us to do so because he has made a way to deal for our sin now again under the Old Testament uh, the people knew they could not approach God unless they brought a sacrifice where the, the sacrifice suffered what they deserved. It was a substitute for them. Uh, the sacrifices that atoned for their sins, and they were offered through a priestly mediator. It had to be done in just a certain way, the way that God uh, had commanded. But under the New Testament, it's the same, and just only uh, the fulfillment of what all of that uh, that took place on the Old Covenant uh, was. So we can only draw near to God through sacrifice, through that once and for all sacrifice that Stephen mentioned in his prayer. And, and so that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he alone is our great high priest, the priestly mediator between God and man. So only as our sins are atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ can we approach a thrice Holy God. Only on account of Jesus acting as our high priest can we come into his presence and worship him acceptably in such a way that even could be pleasing to God. So God still has a house today. And it's not, and it never even wasn't in the Old Testament primarily about a building. And I think, you know, building a tent, a tabernacle, God's saying it's not about the place. Later, it was a permanent place, a temple, and of course, the, the, even the disciples were, you know, became more in awe of the building instead of the God who was worshipped there. And that's that's not we're not about buildings. 
but his house, his, his people gathered for corporate worship on his appointed day using his appointed means of grace, the word, sacraments, and prayer, and so on. And so we come to church on the Lord's Day. Why? To, to worship God, to meet with God. It's all about him. It's, it's not about us. It, we are involved. And we benefit. We are blessed. But the, the modern church, you see, has reversed it. The church is all about meeting the needs of man today, right? Our felt needs. And, and, and however, when we go to church, we need to remember what we're doing, what God has appointed worship for. Uh, corporate worship is to meet with God. Why do we assemble on the Lord's Day? Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper said that they do so, believers do that, they meet on the Lord's Day, to meet with God. It's very simple. And so when you came to church this morning, is that, was that on your mind? I'm going to meet with God. Or were you thinking, I wonder who I'll see at church today. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to see each other. We, we love each other. And, 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 and that's a, a wonderful thing. But we're really, of course, meeting with God. And yes, we, we do enjoy the fellowship. We do enjoy the, the music, the singing. And, and these are parts of worship. But if we fail to consider the great and solemn purpose of the meeting, this meeting that God has established, that we're meeting with the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, if we forget uh, you know, who it is that we're coming to meet with, um, then we're in trouble. But we need to ask ourselves, well, how do we approach him? Okay, we, we accept the fact that this is the purpose of this meeting today, to, to meet with God. And uh, we, we read earlier the purpose of the congregational meeting that we're having afterwards. There's a, we have to read that purpose. It's part of in our form of government. It says read the purpose uh, of the meeting, you know, a week a, uh, before you have the meeting and so on. Well, so we accept this purpose of, of worship. But then how do we approach him? Solomon says, when you approach God in worship, walk prudently. You know, they're walking up to the temple. Uh, it, it was a literal walk, but... But he meant it in a figurative way. The King James puts it this way, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. It's a Hebrew idiom, keep thy foot, guard your steps, be careful, be thoughtful. Now look where you're going, think about what you're doing, in other words, uh, when you come to God's house. So as we come into the house of meeting, into the presence of God, we, we should be aware we should be awake we should be mindful we should be attentive and focused we're not to come carelessly or casually uh, i don't think there's any i don't think that 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 worship was ever intended to be a casual event uh seriousness joy is part of it I'm not saying there's no joy uh but but it's not to be Casual or frivolous, it's serious business. And uh, God is holy and righteous. That, that means, first of all, he deserves our reverence and respect. You know, the word worship in the Bible, uh, it, it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself before God. It means to recognize who God is and to, to recognize who we are. Why do we prostrate ourselves and bow down? Because he's the living God. We are, uh, he is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being. And, and, you know, who are we? We are finite creatures of the dust. Uh, and we are sinful dust at that. 
And so we bow down before our, our God. We, we do that in our hearts. And, and so we recognize who he is and who we are. Solomon said in verse 2, For God is in heaven and you on earth. All right? There's a big difference between the God who dwells on his throne in heaven and between you and I who are here on earth. Now God does, but the wonderful thing is that he says, I will meet with you, you earthly, you earth people of the earth. Uh, I am the God who dwells in heaven, but I also dwell, he says in Isaiah, I dwell in a high and holy place, but also with him who is humble and of a contrite heart. God wants to dwell with us and be in our midst, but we need to respond in those, with the right attitude as, as, we, as we approach him. So we don't come carelessly or casually. Uh, and and we, we need to understand uh, that we are not dealing with someone who is like us. We have this tendency to bring God down to our level because, you know, to make him more relatable. Now, God does that because he, he speaks uh, and describes himself in, in anthropomorphic language, you know, describing himself in somewhat human terms. But, but that doesn't mean that he is like us. And in fact, he says clearly in the Bible, you know, he's rebuking his people in the Old Testament. He says, you thought I was altogether like you. You're mistaken. Uh, God is completely other than what we are. He is the creator. We are mere creatures. So we're dealing with the God of heaven, the one who's seated on a heavenly and holy throne. And we, we have this wonderful picture. We're all familiar with it in Isaiah 6. Isaiah has a vision of God on that throne. And the train of his robe fills the temple. And there's, there's smoke and there's, there's seraphim. And they're flying around the throne in worship. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they have six wings. And they use two of them to fly. But the other two, they cover their eyes and they cover their feet. Not because they're sinful, but because God is so holy and his glory so bright that they must shield themselves. Well, these are holy angelic beings. They have never sinned. Uh, and, and yet we still see that they dared not approach the living God who dwelt on his throne without humility and reverence. How much more ought we, whose, whose eyes are very clouded with sin, our feet are very tarnished and filthy from walking in this world. We need to guard our steps as we go to the house of God. But how do we guard our steps? We, well, there are a number of things to think about. And one of the main things, I think, to guard your steps and you, when you come to the worship of God is to prepare your heart, and your mind beforehand, before you come to worship. Alexander McLaren, in, in the sermon on this passage, said, fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. I like that quote. It's wise for us to prepare uh, on Saturday night. We get up Sunday morning. We might sleep in a little bit sometimes on Sunday morning. Worship services at 11, you know, it's a little leisurely pace in, on Sunday morning, but get up early enough to, to have a time of prayer and reflection on the word. And, of course, if you receive the emails, you receive the scripture, you know what's coming, you read, read through what, what the pastor's going to be preaching on and so forth, and what you're going to be singing. You get yourself ready, you prime the pump, right? They're, they're, that's what we need. Uh, we don't just walk in... Uh, without any thought whatsoever of what we're doing. We prepare. And we need to think about 
Again, our need of forgiveness and cleansing before we come. Yes, we, we have a time of confession in, in the service, but if you wait until then to think about the fact that, oh, I, there might be something between me and the Lord, uh, you're already behind. Uh, you should confess and think about that before you even come. <clears throat> we guard our steps by humbling ourselves before God, realizing that we don't deserve this high privilege of meeting with God. On the other hand, there's another side. There's the encouragement that we have uh, that God really does desire to meet with us. He says, I will meet with you. Uh, draw near to me. I will draw near to you. I want to be near to you. I want to be your God. Uh, and I want you to know me as I am. And, and so... <clears throat> He says, where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there in their midst. And I know that was talking about, not primarily about worship, but, <clears throat> but it certainly applies to our time of worship. And we prepare by putting our trust in Jesus afresh, as the book of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So uh, we come not timidly, but boldly into his presence to worship him. And uh, we come reverently, but also with great joy. <clears throat> Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, the Bible says. The fear of God and the joy of the Lord go together in the Bible. Uh, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. So we can't, if there's no joy in our worship, then we're missing out. And I think, you know, that in, in some churches we, we see that joy is missing. Uh, but maybe the, the seriousness is there, but it's not a happy place. <laughs> and then in other churches you have, you know, it's very happy, everybody's smiling, but it, it, it's not maybe as reverent as it could be. Uh, you know, I don't know where we fit in. You have to think about that. But uh, what do we need to shore up? We, we need sorrow over our sins, but we also need to rejoice in salvation and in our Savior. If we're only talking about our sins all the time, and, you know, and, 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 and putting our head down and not looking up, well, that's the starting place, confession and sorrow over sin, but we also rejoice in the Lord and His salvation. Uh, that's 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 the other half of the equation. And so now when we arrive at the house of God, uh, what's what's the main thing we do in worship? Uh, you know, what's your favorite part of the worship service? That's a that's a terrible question, isn't it? Uh, uh, our, our, it's it's not about what we we want. What, what is God's favorite part of the worship service? It's when he speaks. To us, and what what does that mean for us? That means Solomon, as Solomon said, draw near. Yeah, draw near. Come on, don't don't hesitate. Draw near to hear or to listen, as some translations say. Draw near to listen, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. So the first thing we do mentally when we when we come to the house of God is, I'm here to listen. We don't. We, we, we shut our mouths, as it were, and say, God, speak. Your servant is listening. And so to listen requires work, actually, doesn't it? 
Because you know and I know how hard it is to get rid of those, those wandering thoughts, those worldly thoughts. They creep in right in the middle of the worship service. And so it takes work to discipline yourself and to, and to be serious and to say, Lord, I, I don't want to think about all those things. I want to set my mind on things above here in this time today. And uh, it requires us to give our full attention uh, when God is speaking. Frank Smith, in an article that he wrote titled, What is Worship?, uh, begins in the very first paragraph, and he says this. He said, worship means this, coming into God's special presence, listening to him, and responding to him in commanded acts of faith and love. So it's the same pattern. You come, in, you come into his special presence to listen to him. And then, yes, there's a response uh, from us, commanded acts of faith and love. First and foremost, we are here to listen to the Word of God, to hear the Word of God. And uh, the Scriptures, as Paul said, are the very breath of God. They are breathed out by God. The written Word of God is is from God Himself. It is His Word. Hebrews says, The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so it's a, it's a living, a powerful thing. But if we are not ready to listen, if we aren't in the right frame of mind, it will not have its uh, intended effect on us. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we must play, pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You say, why, why have I been drifting from God? Why, why am I not walking close with God? Because I haven't paid heed to what he says. Um, and, you know, I'm occupied with my own thoughts and my own words and not God's thoughts and God's word. So if we approach God in worship and we don't listen carefully to his word, as especially as it's read and as it is preached, <clears throat> then Anything else we offer to God in worship is really uh, going to be unacceptable. Solomon puts it pretty bluntly. If we don't you know, draw near to listen to God when we meet with him, we will be offering the sacrifice of fools who don't even know that they're doing evil. If you don't listen, you can't worship. <clears throat> and, and much of the church today, we have the wrong idea about worship. Worship's the time when we start singing and, uh, and, and singing praises and hymns to God. That is part of worship. That's the response. There's, there's a, there is a part of worship that most people don't think of as worship. And that is the reading, preaching, and hearing of the word. That's the highest part. The pinnacle of worship is listening to God. And only when we first hear his words will we know how to respond to him with our words. And, and of course, it's not mere listening. Um, Hopefully you're all listening. You know, you might need a little hearing aid here and there. Uh, some, like, if you're like me, I don't always hear what people say. But God's speaking. We need to listen. Derek Kidner says that to listen here in this verse 1 has a double force in Hebrew. It means to pay attention and to obey. So, so the worship continues when we leave here. Uh, we, we pay attention to the word. And we heed it, and then we obey it. If there's no obedience, we haven't listened. We haven't even listened. We didn't really hear what God had to say if we don't put it into practice. So 
In 1 Samuel, Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Uh, so to come to the worship service, uh, to put on your best dress or not, but to come to the worship service, but then you have no intention of following Christ and obeying his commandments, um, that worship is, is what Solomon would call vanity. It's, it's vanity to come to church and, and, not have, and not follow Christ in your life. Well, uh, to listen and heed to the word, we need, that does mean we need to be still, as Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Hebrews 2, I mean Habakkuk 2.20, but the Lord is in his holy temple that all the earth keeps silence before him. So we have to learn in worship to still our hearts, to quiet our minds so that we can hear God speak to us in his word. Um, the Shorter Catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number two, says what rule is God given to direct us how to glorify and enjoy him? How to worship him, if you will. And the answer is the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. In other words, from the word we find out how we're supposed to respond. Uh, you know, how we are to worship. <clears throat> and we must do whatever God commands to do in worship and not add to it or take away from it. And that is a challenge for us, but... Uh, most importantly, when we hear the word of God in worship, uh, we are going to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Because Jesus said, the scripture is about me. You search the scriptures and you think in them you have eternal life. We could, we could have worship down to the T, cross every T and dot every I. But if Jesus Christ is missing, we've missed the point. Uh, so Jesus alone brings us into the presence of God. In our directory of worship, we read that worship is to be given to God and to God alone. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to saints, to anyone other than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the directory goes on to say that because all mankind is sinful by nature and separated from God, the only worship which is acceptable to God is that which is offered in the name and through the mediation of the Son. If Jesus Christ... It's not in the sermon. It's Jesus Christ is not on your mind and heart. It's Jesus Christ is not, if you're not depending on him as you come to worship, uh, then you're not going to be able to worship. So when we hear the word, hopefully we're hearing about Jesus in every sermon. And if you don't, then you need to come and talk to me and say, Mark, I didn't hear much of Jesus in that sermon or of the gospel. So um, pray for me. Well, the larger catechism says this about the word of God. We'll ask this question. How is the word <clears throat> made effectual to salvation? The spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of salvation and building us up in God's grace. So the reading of scripture is, is vital. I mean, it's the word of God. Um, but it says especially, God makes especially the preaching of the word uh, the, the means to save us and the means to change us. And so we believe 
uh, as Presbyterians, as those who are reformed in their faith, we believe that the preaching of the word of God by those whom he is called, truly called, and the right hearing and receiving of that word, that that is the most significant part of the service. The most vital part of the service without which you cannot worship. And when the word is rightly preached, it's not a man who's speaking. It's God. I'm not saying I'm God. I'm saying that God is much bigger than all of us. He's much bigger than, 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 than me, but he's able to use even uh, a sinner like myself. And so it's very humbling, right, to, to receive the word from a preacher because you, most of you know me. You know I'm not, um, I'm not as holy as I ought to be. I'm not, you know, this, this great saintly person. I'm, I'm, I'm a man with feet of clay, just like you. But God has chosen this this ordinance and this 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 thing of preaching. Uh, Paul said it's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. It might seem foolish even to us sometimes, but but God will speak if you come with a prayerful heart. If you come seeking and, and praying that God will speak to you during during the sermon, and you you won't even notice me. You will hear God, and that's what we want. That's what we need. Um, in the service. We want to hear God. Uh, we would see Jesus. We would hear Jesus. Is, is what our, our prayer. Well, there's a lot we could say about preaching. I won't get into that. We, we need to close now. But uh, the preacher needs to preach not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and power. And we need to hear what Jesus said. Let everyone who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Then, then listen. Uh, God is is going to speak to you. There is a time yet for us to speak, right? We know that. We know that we do speak in worship, and we have opportunities. The worship is a dialogue. It's a conversation, if you will. In conversations we have with each other, sometimes we like to hear ourselves talk more than the other person. Don't do that with God. Let's listen to God. Let's hear his word as the primary. But, but he wants to hear from us, too. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, let us pray.